everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, what are you drinking? Jack and Coca-Cola, because it's Friday afternoon and I'm done with work. What are you drinking? Uh, sparkling yuzu sake. Okay, describe it to me. It's So yuzu is, of course, a uh, Japanese fruit, and it's kind of a cross between a lemon and a lime in terms of its citrus flavor. And Did so, you have that last time? I think so, yeah. Okay. I mean, what makes it sparkling? Just bubbles? Bubbles. Or are you adding it to, like, a seltzer or something? Just bubbles. I, I imagine you could take a fruity sake, though, and add, like, Prosecco or something. Oh. To make kind of a cocktail that with bubbles. It's not like adding vodka to a cocktail, though. Like, it's not adding vodka to Prosecco. Would you do that? Is that recommended? I mean, sake is not as strong as vodka, usually, I think. Hmm. I get fucked up on sake. <laughs> this is super, super weak. It's like 7%. It's oh, it's juice. good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's juice. It's like a strong beer. That's it. I dig it. I love it. You could probably find it. It's uh, called Bunny or something like that. It comes in a blue bottle. I wish it came in much bigger bottles because it's so tasty. It's... Can you can you send me a photo? Yes, I will. Uh, maybe when um... we get sponsored by this <laughs> company. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe you should post the photo to our website. I think a lot of alcohol companies these days, though, they don't advertise like they don't like the word drunk. They advertise about taste and cost and like experience. I mean, we could always rebrand. <laughs> if if we get feedback from somebody who knows about uh, marketing and what adult beverage companies prefer for marketing and they say we need to become two cultured fans well yeah how i'm okay with that how much money would they have to offer us up front to, for us to become two cultured fans i wasn't even expecting money i was expecting like a case of something <laughs> i was sitting here <laughs> like, going like yeah give me ten thousand dollars you're like no i'll just take a case of whatever alcohol you sell yeah, I have not I not that I have anything against Budweiser. I really enjoy that they're sponsoring the NWSL and doing all that they are doing. I can't drink beer. So if a cider company or your um your fizzy sake company wanted to send me a case, I would absolutely change the name of our podcast to Two Cultured Fans. Maybe maybe you're uh not as cheap as I am to be bought boughten bought what would your price be? 10k? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a little that's probably better. <laughs> this is this is why you would do our negotiating though. <laughs> 10k each. Oh fuck, that would be rad. I know, right? Let's do it. Let's put it out there. Anybody uh anybody know how we could appeal to sponsors? The beers that I like that maybe we could consider getting sponsored by. I like Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. I like... Oh, uh, there's some local breweries that I like. I don't think they have $10,000 to spare because they're local microbreweries. There's a... I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being sponsored by Sam Adams. I think that could be fun. Oh, yeah. That's a big local brewery. The local that I like, it's called Night Shift Brewing. It's pretty good. Um, I think they have a, a gay beer. It's like a gay rights beer. It's nice and light and crisp. What about Harpoon? We went. We used to get fucked up at Harpoon. Yeah, I love the Harpoon Brewery. Love those pretzels. Ugh. Right? Like, you and I got drunk at Harpoon quite a bit. That's that's what we need to do. We need to, like, 
fucking get sponsored by breweries that we then go and record at. Yeah. Well, I so would, in, it so in Portland, we've recorded at Kells, and Kells is a brewery. Oh, yeah, sure. And it's a restaurant. I I would take I would take a couple hundred bucks in uh in gift cards from there. But I can't go to Kells regularly. Well, I can't go to Sam Adams, and I can't go to Harpoon. Yeah, but Sam Adams is sold everywhere, and so is Harpoon. Yeah, but I don't drink beer. Oh, I'm sure they're related to some kind of liquor making something. I just need cider. All right. Or wine, or like I can do anything but beer. Okay. Stupid allergy. I would love Jack Daniels. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think realistic. I also, um, what's a good domestic vodka? Have I ever told you the story of the time I went to this Russian local grocery in one of my old neighborhoods in Boston? And its motto was like royal goods at peasant prices or something like that on the side of the building. And I only bought a bottle of vodka. That's all I wanted. And I got in line behind this older gentleman and he looked back at me. And he had this heavy Russian accent, and he was like, he indicated that I should go in front of him, and he pointed at my bottle of vodka, and he was like, you have to respect that. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Fair play to you, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he wasn't being chivalrous or anything like that. He was was like, nope, you have your priorities in order. I respect that. I was getting a a cheap bottle of vodka. He was like, you have to respect that. For sure. For sure. I'm trying to think of other... I mean, like, I feel like we could make a really cool list of all of the drinks that we drink but i'm just also trying to be realistic you know right right it's more like like we'll get... like avi aviation gin would be rad isn't that ryan reynolds gin yes sure he's not the most awful actor in the world he might be okay with a podcast called two drunk fans he probably would he's the best actor in the world <laughs> <laughs> i love deadpool I do like Deadpool. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. I'm kind of running out of movies, yo. Really? Well, not really, but like movies I actually like want to watch. You should watch. You know? Bend it like Beckham. Fuck yeah. How do I watch that? Is that on Netflix or Hulu? It's on Hulu. I watched it a lot while I was writing up that article that went up yesterday. Oh, tell me about the article that went up yesterday. What, what, uh, What was that about? Funny you should ask, Gab. (laughs) Yesterday, I put up a long-ass article about Bendit Like Beckham and what the two characters in that movie would have ended up doing after the movie ends. So the movie ends with them going off to uh, Santa Clara to start their (laughs) college careers. You have have to say it with, like, a British accent. Santa Clara. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay. And hoping that they could have, like, a join the professional league. But this movie came out in 2002, and Wusa died in 2003. So they would have, like, had one year in the U.S. before all that shit collapsed around them. That would have been so depressing. Yeah, but they would have been at an excellent, excellent school. Yeah. Getting like, an excellent, excellent education. Yeah, it's not like they were at um, University of Bumfuck Nowhere. Although, I will say this, you get out of your education what you put into it most of the time, and you can get an excellent education just about anywhere if you know how to leverage the system, but that's the problem. 
Did they go to Santa Clara on scholarship? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because in the movie... That's so cool. Yeah, Jules says that the recruiter offered them a scholarship so that her parents wouldn't have to pay. That's so cool, because I was going to say, man, why would they come to the U.S. for university if they could just get free education in Europe? Somewhere in Europe, or like not $40,000 a year education. But yeah, Hey, you know some... what? Santa Clara is a gorgeous campus. It's one of the prettiest campuses I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot of campuses. You a Broncos fan? I'm not a Broncos fan. I'm not a fan of their program. Um, I I root for the Portland Pilots. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. Um, but I think, I do think, so I do have some criticisms of your article. <laughs> I do think that you could have uh, had them play Christine Sinclair because their careers would have overlapped. They did play Christine Sinclair. In your article? Yeah. No. Multiple times. I- multiple times you did not wow wow this is I like totally finding out read it. this is like finding out your dad never came to your softball games oh my god i totally read it i did not mm. it says that they lost to christine sinclair in 2002 and 2005 oh and they lost yeah to her. i totally read that i totally read that i totally read that and i like i'm sorry okay I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just putting pieces together when you were saying dates, and I was like, oh, they were in school the exact same moment as Christine Sinclair, and I forgot that you you are smarter than I am. Oh, not always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes to when it comes to writing, yes, yes, you are. Um, but I had a lot of fun writing it. I it was a little stressful writing it. You know, as stressful as it can be writing a completely imaginary article, but it got long. The original cut was like three thousand words long. And can you post the original? So the other thing is I was originally gonna write this at, in universe as if it were an interview with the two characters in twenty nineteen before the World Cup. And it would kinda like through the natural dialogue, it would reveal the things that had happened in universe to them. But there was so much ground to cover that I was just like, this is not going to reveal everything that I want to cover. Otherwise, it's going to be like a 5,000-word interview. I I would totally have read and retained every detail of a 5,000-word interview. Shut up, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you wrote this this article. Um, It was really cool. Uh, What happened today? Oh my god, you know what happened today. I woke up and I looked at my mentions and Gurinder Tata, the writer and director of Bend It Like Beckham, had tweeted my article out. <laughs> um, did, did you did you pee your pants? Yeah, dude. I mean, I That's always so have to pee cool. when I first wake up, but yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm so proud of you. Aw, thanks. That's so cool. That makes up for uh, you missing all my softball are, games. Are you now like BFFs? No. Are you guys like are you guys like DMing and exchanging info and God, no. like are you gonna are you gonna pen the the um the motion p- picture update? Well, did you see I think it was last year maybe Karen Knightley said that she would be up for a Bennett like Beckham sequel. You should you should send that to your new uh, BFF. Oof. No way. She she wouldn't like the script that I write. Maybe um, it's, it's you haven't written a script yet. Oh yeah, you've only written a what do you call a prescript? I don't know where I would pick up in an in a sequel. Like I don't 
could it be right after? I think it would be a, a modern sequel, right? Because there's so much history. The actresses are older. Um, if we wanted to do something where they were still teenagers, I think you'd have to recast, and I don't want to do that. So yeah, it would be like a modern sequel where they're both in their mid-30s, they're thinking about retirement, or maybe one's still playing, one left the game. Something that gets them to reflect on like the journeys that they went on through soccer. Well, what if one of them's coaching in college? Oh, could be. Or coaching right? the WSL or something like that. Yeah, like, or what if one of them's breaking into the men's game? Do you coaching? know what would be good is if Jules, the one played by Keira Knightley, she stayed in the game and became a coach, and Jess, the one played by Parminder Nagra, um, left the game and became a solicitor like her father wanted to be in the movie because that was a, a subplot where she was trying to get the right grades or A-levels in order to get into university and become a lawyer. Um so she like would have gotten her degree, played a little soccer, and then Wusa collapses, or like WPS collapses, and she's like, "This is way too unstable. My parents are so unhappy. I gotta go be a lawyer." And Jules is like, "You'll never fulfill your potential, like your true potential, if you don't stick with soccer." And so like they had an argument, and they haven't spoken in ten years, and then something brings them back together, and it's an examination of like, you know, the paths we take in life. Can I can I throw a really crazy idea out there? Yeah. What if she was the lawyer in the USS US soccer lawsuit? Ah! <laughs> you mean the one for US soccer that made all those? No, 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 no. The, the like the player side. Oh, the player's lawyer. Okay. Whew. Yeah. What What if she was like the player's lawyer, and that was like the the background activity that was happening what if jules comes to her and is like jess i know you walked away from soccer but this is something that you should do um and then she like because soccer hurt her so badly she hasn't had anything to do with it for 10 years and then she comes back to it like this dude yeah she fucking blew out a knee or something yeah. and became one of those characters that was like I'm so mad at this sport for taking away blah, blah, blah. Maybe. Or just one of the threads in the movie, obviously, is like she's trying to balance her familial and cultural expectations for her, you know, as an as a brown girl, as an Indian girl, versus her trying to find a new identity as a first-generation uh, child of immigrants and, you know, trying to navigate new gender and racial and cultural norms for herself. So who knows? Maybe, you know, we change as adults. Sometimes the things that we fight for as teenagers, as adults, we're like, I don't have the energy for that. I just want to pay the bills. No, I I hear you. God, this got very serious very quickly. <laughs> oh man no i i think that would be really cool we should do a uh what what do you call it so i really really hate that the only exposure i have to the movie business is through the fucking l word <laughs> it's like oh a God. it's like a a treaty or something it's like a, tr uh, a treatment treatment yeah, yeah it's a treatment like a treatment is what fuck Jenny Jenny Schechter. Jenny Schechter. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. I know. But that, like ugh. but like we could write a treatment for this. Sure. And then oh my god, we're all in isolation and bored. We could find like two dozen people to act out 
each like to do a table read yeah <gasps> we could maybe. do a table read maybe it would be cool if we could uh recruit players or something who would be willing uh, to do that i'm sure we probably could okay well <laughs> let's start emailing um but that was you know the end of my week i also talked to crystal dawn about raising chickens in portland in her backyard what yeah. tell me about like that's one that i legit haven't seen tell me about that how did that go it was great um she could have talked all day about her chickens she loves those birds they're her family dude i see them on instagram all the time i know how many women's national team players uh u.s women's national uh, no 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 let's say in general how many do you think there's a correlation between raising chickens and playing soccer uh in what way I don't know. Just how many how many players do you think raise chickens? Is Crystal Dunn an anomaly? I bet there's an NWSL player somewhere who might have chickens. There's got to be an NWSL player on a farm. Keelan Winters lives on a farm now. Yeah, but she's retired. I know, but I'm just, I'm trying to add to the conversation. Uh. <laughs> I haven't, like, interviewed or written anything fantastic. Um... I'm bringing very little to the table here. <laughs> let me let me have my references. Oh, I'll ask you a question in a minute that you will have a lot of opinions on, though. Uh, a lot of opinions. You're going to get mad. I'm but, almost done with my drink, so... Oh, I poured myself a double. A mm -hmm. double Jack and Coke. Wow. So, I will be ready to be mad in approximately 12 minutes. So, what didn't make it into the article is... I had to ask Crystal. I mean, I didn't have to, but, you know, I brought up, like, you know, sometimes with chickens, they do become dinner. And she was like, yes, my <laughs> husband pointed that out to me and was like, what if one of them stops laying? And she goes, what do you mean, what if one of them stops laying? That chicken would just become part of our family as a pet. Why did you jump from stops laying to dinner so quickly? Oh. She had a sense of humor about it, and she was like, yeah, I'm a meat eater, so I'm not going to sit here and be self-righteous about not eating the chicken, but just these personal chickens, you know. <laughs> She'll eat grocery store chickens, yeah. just not her her chickens that yeah. she's probably named. Has she named them? Yes. All five of them have names. Their names what are, are they? Toulouse, Rocky, Juke, Chelsea, and... If I were Rocky Rodriguez, oh. I'd be like, oh, really? Their names are uh, Toulouse, Juke, Rocky, Chelsea, and Quinn. I like Quinn. Yeah. I didn't get the story on Quinn or Rocky. She said Rocky is a big girl. She's like thick. Two C's. Uh, Juke <laughs> is named after her husband's car, which was a Nissan Juke when, you know, before they got married. And, but she called it the French Mobile. <laughs> Oh my god, she's got to be a riot to hang out with. I know. Toulouse is named for the region in France where her husband Pierre grew up. Chelsea is obviously the club that she played for in England. I don't know where Quinn comes from. I was getting well, here to spell out the names and I was like, like Rebecca Quinn? She's like, yeah, <laughs> spelled that way, but it's not, you know, about her. For, for Rebecca. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, she's got five chickens that are going to start laying any day now. She's waiting. She's tapping her foot. Do you remember when we were in Vancouver in 2015? For some reason, all the eggs that we bought in Canada at our local oh. grocery store were so fresh. 
Dude, it wasn't even our local grocery store. It was fucking Costco. We were buying pallets of eggs from Costco, and they were the orangest, richest, freshest, most delicious eggs. I know. I've, I, I haven't had eggs like that since. I wonder if Costco got them from a local supplier or something, or like the supply line was just shorter to that particular Costco, so the eggs were younger. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's so much, so much farmland around Vancouver. Yeah. That I'm sure they were getting them locally, but it's not like we were at a farmer's market. We were buying them from Costco. Because, I mean, I was making breakfast with like two dozen eggs at a time. It was an interesting combo because Crystal and I were also talking about you can't dance around that we're in isolation. I mean, the fact that I was talking to her about her chickens at all was an isolation. (laughs) Right around the time NWSL should be starting next weekend. Yeah, exactly. So, and we, you know, we were talking about how, because she's in Portland right now and her, because her husband's a a trainer with the Thorns, how they're, they're, they're establishing relationships with like local farmers. And we were discussing how at this time, a lot of people are kind of getting back to, eating locally and knowing about the local cycle of food and you know what's in season and stuff like that you know it was just an interesting conversation where we touched on a lot of all the stuff going on around kind of our new normal you know crystal dunn's usually a good interview because she's a person right but she has a lot of personality and she can talk (laughs) she's a fast talker i'm so jealous of you and your job we can switch you have a if you cool, want. You have a cool job. It's true. I can't deny that it's a cool job. I wish it paid a little more, but... Yeah, yeah but I, I'm so proud that you... I'm so proud of you because you followed your dream of, like, I could do law anytime. I mean, that might not have been your take, but that's my <laughs> version of your story. Um, I could do law anytime, but right now, women's soccer is, like, going. Women's soccer and NWSL is, like, a thing. And, like, I remember being in Vancouver with you. So, a couple weekends ago, I was um, doing some work to my MacBook uh, because I didn't have enough something to update to the new iOS or something. Or maybe the new OS. I don't know if you need to put an I in front of it for a MacBook. But anyway, I had to, like, remove stuff. And I found our fucking GoPro videos from the 2015 oh, final. that we were going to edit them together and make a mini documentary. I know. I know. I know. So we could still do that. Like, we could. That could be isolation activity for me. Um, but uh, I found that. And I was like, wait, you watched the 2015 final, like, right next to me. Yeah. And I was like, I could, like. Dude, you've only been doing this since after that. That's true. In 2015, I was doing some recaps and stuff for the Bent Musket, but I wasn't really getting paid for any of that coverage. So I would say, yeah, it kind of started in earnest in 2016. Yeah, and and I just sit here and I go like, man, like you were covering in France. You weren't just like, oh, I'll like blog about this you were like fucking breaking news you were posting interviews you were having exclusive shit i don't know if it was that exclusive i think my one claim to fame that nobody knows about in france is that quote where pino is like you can't win a championship without gays go gays it's because i asked her about pride in paris like i don't think anybody else is gonna ask her about that so i was just like you know it's pride weekend in paris and how does it feel to have a win during this time blah 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 and she was just took off with it 
I thoroughly enjoyed that FIFA broadcasts those interviews, and you were oftentimes the first one to ask a question. <laughs> was I? Yeah, it was between, like, you and Meg. You and Meg were, like, always, like, one and two to ask questions. And I'm like, I know those guys. Aww. Yeah, they also and made then, us announce and, our and names. And then, you know, Grant, Grant Wall was in there, too. Oh, speaking of not getting paid much and Grant Wall and <laughs> the World Cup, um, Grant Wall got fired today. Which I know this is a women's soccer podcast, but it's kind of, it's pretty much related soccer news because if Grant Wall can get fired, you know, it, it feels like another step towards the death knell for traditional soccer coverage. It feels like another step towards, like another step towards society realizing the value of entertainment. And we put athleticism in entertainment and we put reporting of athleticism in an even lower category when the reality of the situation is like these are people's careers and these are people's like livelihoods this isn't just like gladiators battling it out this is an entire like industry that's developed over the last 100 years and to see shift and change happen i mean that's crazy that all it takes is, you know, a two to three month disruption. And not that what we're doing right now is like, oh, it's just nothing. It's huge. But like, I don't know, man, it, that makes my head hurt. Well, it was coming, right? Because Maven is now the overlord for Sports Illustrated. And that happened before the pandemic. And at the time they took over, it was kind of clear that they were going to try to deadspin it. Where they're like, we're going to turn this into a content farm you know? Yeah. Um, and just try to drive revenue with clicks and things like that. And that's fun. Yeah. You know, that's fun. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it was the last week or the week before Grant Wall very publicly said that Maven was trying to give him uh, a pay cut, but not just during the pandemic. He was fine with taking a pay cut during the pandemic. Like, I think a lot of people were, but he said that Maven was going to try and make these pay cuts stick after the pandemic, not just for him, but for like, like other people. I mean, it was transparently just, you know, shitty behavior to try to sneak this in and then have it become the new status quo. And then before you know it, you can't argue with it. And then today it got very messy because obviously he tweeted about like, I got fired, no severance. And then um, a CEO, I think of Maven tweeted out, or like released a statement to the public about how, you know, Grant is just some chump who like didn't write a lot and not a lot of people read his stuff. So, you know, um, and he was greedy and, uh, you know, he didn't want to take a pay cut at this time when everybody else is suffering and revealed that he earned $350,000 last year although it has to be taken with a grain of salt. And it was just this super transparent bid to like divide labor and pit them against each other. Like trying to tell, hey, other Sports Illustrated writers, you shouldn't be mad at us for firing people. You should be mad at your fellow writer, Grant Wall, for getting paid so much and not being willing to give give up money for you when I, a multimillionaire, you know, am doing all this good shit for you except giving up money. It's so, fucked up, yeah. dude. Like, the the arguments being made in our society right now of, like, 
why are we waiting for billionaires to quote do good when we should really just be taking their money or taking their resources or or whatnot it's it's like dude it's a lose-lose argument because all you're doing is like creating a bigger divide like you have to look structurally foundationally at like how did this shit get there and let's fix that problem and hopefully all this shit would right size you know but like like them posting that and grant posting his stuff like no shame on him for trying not even defend himself like he was just like oh this is the reality and here's facts he also refuted the statement where he's like yeah maybe i got paid 350 grand but that's not my base salary it's because i got extra because of it was like performance related because you guys liked the work that i was doing so like what is the truth right as (laughs) ever i'm very heavily inclined to side with labor as I am in this oh. case. So I hope people don't fall for the like divide and conquer tactic. People probably are because, you know, Grant Wall's a human being who's done both bad and good over his career. So I think some people are like, yeah, fuck Grant Wall, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's something bigger going on here. You can personally just like the dude and realize that what's happening is super shady. It's super shady, and it's not just happening here. It's happening in any uh, industry where there are a few at the top trying to protect their nest egg and a lot of angry people uh, who are either being let go, furloughed, or being asked to take a pickup. Like, this shit is uh, attempting to level, level the playing field in a way nothing ever has. You know who else has done furloughs during this time? has been Real Salt Lake. And, you know, by relationship, probably the Utah Royals, owned by Delroy Hansen, who is extremely rich. And they keep sending out press releases, like they're super proud of the things that they've done in order to address this. Um, where one was, because uh, like, I was so like, incensed. It's not, just that they're, it's not just that they're, like, proud that they furlough people. It's that they, they think that they're doing as much as they can to help people. And I'm just sitting here going, like, if you were doing as much as you can to help people, you would just keep them employed. So this is an email that members of the media got March 31st, which said that the properties that Deloy Hansen owns, like through his property management company, it's apparently like 30-some, 34 apartment complexes throughout the state of Utah. What they would be doing is providing... uh, short-term assistance and relief which is short-term rent deferment right but then they say the deferment will have no interest and repayment will be dispersed among the remaining months of the resident's lease term which means they're not doing any kind of rent forgiveness they're just saying you can pay this later but you still have to pay and acting like not charging interest on it is some kind of magnanimous gesture which if you charge interest right now on charging people rent That's usury, in my opinion. That's an Mm -hmm. immoral attempt to charge interest on on a loan. Mm -hmm. People don't have jobs right now, or they have reduced hours. Like, why are you acting like this is something that the media is going to be like, ooh, that good old Deloy Hansen, he's so kind to his residents, he's allowing them to defer payment, and then divide up these deferred payments over the other months and remaining in their lease, when it's like, with what money? 
they haven't earned enough money these months to pay this ransom. What, what makes you think in the future, when our economy is still trying to recover, they're going to have money to pay regular rent plus the rent that they owe you for these deferred months? It's absurd. It is, but hey, if it, all, all press is good press, Joe. Ugh. And then the next thing is, you know, Utah sends out a thing about how they're furloughing staff and stuff. But then um, a reporter who covers Utah, uh, Lucas Muller, um, has an anonymous source with RSL that says that employees are being laid off with little or no severance. They haven't heard of furlough. Yes, it's an anecdote from an anonymous source, but it's the direct contrast with the club I said earlier. And this is someone who's you know a regular coverer of Utah. It's not some random. So it's someone who right. you can expect has a connection to the club and to the people working for it. How do we make a bigger stink about this? Like, how do we how do we hold clubs responsible? If you're a Utah Royals fan right now or a Utah Royals supporter, what can you do to say, hey, I am hearing conflicting reporting. I'm hearing conflicting information from the club, from um, local reporters. I want to make sure that my money, I mean, like, Next, let's talk about fucking season tickets and that money. But but I I would like my support of this club of this business to be well intent. Like I want this organization to act with the best intentions, and I don't think they are. What can fans do? Well, I have two minds about this. On the one hand, Deloy Hanson is a billionaire with a B. So if a couple of Utah Royals fans, or even all of them, cancel season tickets, does he care? Maybe. But on the other hand, if people cancel season tickets, we've seen how it can cascade into kind of a bigger public, uh, a bigger publicity crisis. You know, I Sky- think that's my I think that's my bigger thing. Is like a billionaire with the B isn't too concerned about your one hundred dollar one hundred and fifty dollar season ticket. I think a billionaire with a B is more concerned about the fucking public uh, relations, public uh, persona issue of like you know. At what point do you players start saying something? At what point do like like at what point does this thing cascade to a point where somebody can say yo dude oh i've had way too much whiskey and i'm drinking another one right now at what point does it actually like hit his radar i don't know i really don't know how much he cares he gave that whole spiel about how you know he's got daughters or granddaughters or whatever you know as as a man who has genetic like female descendants um, not as a human being who acknowledges that all other women are human beings, obviously. You know, that B- capital B billionaire, it takes precedence over everything else. That's how you become a capital B billionaire, by kind of stepping over the bodies of people who got in your way. Or, uh, uh, you know, over the bodies, but or using the bodies of the people yeah, who got exactly. in your way. Using who who your... not got in your way, but who built you your kingdom right yeah by exploiting the bodies of the people who are in your way you know i think if you are concerned about it as a fan you can always email your club and be like look i know things are really really tough right now and everybody's just trying to get by but i'm concerned about how my club is responding to this time 
because how employers respond to what's going on now is going to be a huge signal about their overall integrity. I do think in the future when we recover from all of this, hopefully when we recover from all of this, anytime anybody has some kind of job interview, a standard question needs to become, what did you do for your employees during this time? I totally, absolutely, 100% agree. And I do think that fans, we have a certain level of responsibility to hold our front offices accountable for their actions. Not to say that we get to control or dictate what they choose to do because they're business-minded and they're making business decisions, but you can be mad at them. You can post that you're mad about them or mad at them. You can ask for a cancellation in your ticket. You can do a lot of things as a consumer because I think that's something that we lose track of as fans and supporters is we're actually customers. We are current customers, which are invaluable to companies that we will come back again and again and again. And especially in sport, like my team can get whooped eight to nothing at the match. And guess what? I'll be back there next weekend. I think you look at any popular losing team and yeah, um, it's not about when losing, it's about the integrity of your foundation. Uh, most of the time, <laughs> anyway. Fans, fans will <laughs> I'm stick with sorry. The... I'm sorry, uh, where do you live? I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so at the very least, you can let them know that somebody is watching, right? Uh, and so whatever they do, at least someone will will write, take note of it. You know, taking notes, taking notes. Well, and what I think is really interesting about people who decide to own sports clubs or groups that decide to own sports organizations, sports doesn't make money fundamentally. It's the sponsorship. It's the advertising. It's the all the other things um, that generates a ton of revenue. Like, yeah, you know, if they sell out every single match, they're probably making money. But at some point, like, they need to, you need to question the structural business the infrastructure around the business to say how were you businessman businessman with a b not prepared for something like this you know me i believe we should eat the rich so i i agree um so we're renaming this podcast not two drunk fans but two socialists that's true we are two socialist fans so it's not too, what was the word earlier? Cultural. Yeah, cultured fans. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let's just rename it temporarily and see if we can get anybody to bite. We should oh. redo the logo. Two cultured fans? Okay. No, no, no. Two uh, socialist fans. Two socialist fans? I'm not really a socialist though. I work for a big company and I'm kind of okay with that. But I do want everybody to earn, I do believe in like universal basic income and I do believe in universal health care and all that stuff. I just also like my job. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm not asking you to redistribute your wealth. Although, you know, you know my Venmo. But I do try. <laughs> That's why I go to strip clubs. And honest to God is why I go to strip clubs. I'm like, cool, I have extra money. Hi, hello, take my money from me, please. I mean, 
a stripper has probably worked harder in one night than I work all week long. So that's legit. That I is, know. That I, is tough there is work. legit a reason why I do what I do and why I make decisions I make. Yeah, and it's not like, just dude, physical dude, either. Bet- right? Between you and me, I'm still tipping them. Like they gave, uh, they have Instagram posts that they put their Venmos on. And I'm like, nice. all right, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, oh, sweet. Look at you posted a pole dance video. Yep. I here's mean, 50 bucks. Tipped workers are really suffering during this time. It's true. But don't strippers. A lot of the work they do is also, like, social and mental. It's not just literally getting out there on stage and dancing or, like, serving at the club, like, serving drinks and things. It's, like, making connections with clients and encouraging people to open up and, you know, open those wallets, too. But you know what I mean, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they absolutely serve a therapy, a therapeutic purpose. Um, for me, it's touch. So I really enjoy lap dances, not like I enjoy lap dances for what they do. Absolutely. Like, yes, they're beautiful and they're talented. Um, But I enjoy it also because while the rule is I can't touch them, they can touch me. And I'm very much like, yes, I will pay for this. And there's no emotional exchange. There's no anything. And it's gratifying as fuck for me. But it's it's a lap dance and it costs money and I'm aware of that. And I know all of the <clears throat> parameters going into it. And I'm like, yes, please. Yes. I mean, people pay for massages too. So I honestly don't see that much of a difference. It's like, totally. it's a, just massages. Yeah. It's skin to skin and I'm lap dance. A physical it's like that you have over clothes. Yeah. 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 I could not do that. I don't have the emotional energy to talk to people for several hours or no. all night long. <laughs> I no. would be like, are you going to pay or not? No, get out. That's yeah, it. like the the strippers I follow on Instagram, they post a lot of like their DMs, uh, like uh, the really rude ones, the like the dudes who are really rude, or I shouldn't say dudes, the other people who are really rude. And I'm just like, man, the fact that you guys even engage, like you even try to like figure out, hey, did you really mean that? Like the amount of emotional labor they put into every day. Whew, so much more than I even have. Tip your local strippers if you can. Tip your uh, service industry people if you can. Order takeout if you can. Yeah, I'm ordering takeout a little bit more. I used to order it maybe two or three times a month. Well, I'm lying to myself a little bit there. But now it's like on the schedule to order takeout food, especially from Asian businesses right now. Absolutely. Chinese food is on the menu tonight. <clears throat> Um, I am so looking forward to somebody else cooking. I am absolutely tired of mac and cheese and or grilled cheese and or sandwich because that's about the extent of my cooking. Well, I'm going to go cook. I've got a uh, lamb shoulder bone in marinating in the fridge. So it was really, Um, it was really nice to talk about kind of a bunch of soccer adjacent stuff. Uh, what was the thing I was going to get mad about? Oh, so we were going to talk about this on the podcast, I guess. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, The Athletic released an article about how uh, U.S. Soccer and the Men's Players Association are in arbitration over jersey license fees. And that's because U.S. Soccer hasn't been giving the men's team their cut of jerseys that were sold with their names on them. So this is something that the women negotiated for in their last CBA, but the men's team are now like, we deserve our cut too, and we're actually looking for a more lucrative deal. 
and they're doing it for a period uh, from 2006 to 2017. And he got a, a source close to U.S. Soccer who said the Federation had been unaware of the problem until discovering and fixing it in 2017. Wait, so the Women's National Team Players Association mm -hmm. negotiated and got included in their package this this deal around um, if if I put Becky Sauerbrunn on the back of my kit, mm -hmm. Becky got a cut of that kit. Yes. <clears throat> so Women's National Team's union did did that. And the men's national team is now saying, hold up, we want that. And we want that from this period. Well, here's what the article... Or are they saying like, whoa, there's a gap and you guys didn't give us that because you just are bad at paying bills. It says... The Federation failed to pay licensing fees for trading on their names from 2006 to 2017, thereabouts. So did, okay, so let me rephrase my question. Did the men's national team always have that and then U.S. soccer was just bad at paying a bill? I think so. Fuck U.S. soccer, man. Like, fuck U.S. soccer from here until forever. Like, don't buy kits. Don't go to matches. Don't watch the games. Don't give them a dime of your money. Go to international tournaments because uh, that pay like that that money goes towards. Uh, I mean, FIFA's as corrupt, so maybe don't. But like, oh, oh my God, U.S. soccer, you're bad at paying bills. That's fundamental business activity. Oh, oh, that, oh, hurts. It, mm. So it's not clear to us what the men's team negotiated for in their CBA, but even if they didn't negotiate a great deal for like, oh, you're using your names on jerseys and we're going to get a cut of that. And, you know, they, they didn't negotiate that well. That's so, I, I mean, we were just talking about like the integrity of the organization, right? Um, Like we as consumers need to fucking realize we have a voice we have power we have power with our wallets man like stop giving money to organizations that fuck you over and fuck over their employees and u.s soccer is one of them yeah so we'll link the article in the comments so that you can like get the accurate picture but yeah it's about um the men's national team being an arbitration with the federation and the men's players associations of legend the Federation sold jerseys with player names on them for like over a decade and didn't pay licensing fees for trading on their names, which I guess implies to me that there were licensing fees to be paid and they just didn't pay them. But I I feel really bad for Cindy Cohn right now. I know. She inherited a fucking garbage fire. Like, how do you just make it rain over all of these problems like that's what i would do i and I, that this is why i will never be an executive leadership but i'd be like my predecessors fucked you guys over here is money well that's kind of a bummer note to end on but i was i was most struck by the quote about the source um close to u.s soccer that said the federation had just been unaware of the problem because there's a quote, right? Like, never attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity. And sometimes I wonder if that's what goes on at U.S. soccer a little bit. But as we saw from the the lawsuit and in the events that caused Carlos Cordero to resign, sometimes there is malice. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this case, but I guess they are treating the men and women equally, equally bad. 
equally bad. Um, if you still wear a kit proudly, I really question um, if you are paying attention. I, uh, I don't question you as an individual, like you wear the product you've purchased, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, we all need to wake up to what U.S. soccer is doing and what they've done. Wake um, up, sheeple. And it's not good. No, there are a lot of sheeple. Uh, speaking of lamb, I'm going to go cook and eat mine. Fuck you. I'm going to order Chinese food. All right, pal. This has been another episode of Two Drunk Fans. Remember, you're the customer. Your clubs are supposed to be serving you. So if at this time you have any concerns about the employees at these clubs, you're definitely within your rights to send them an email and ask what's going on. If you're a season ticket holder, you have a representative who wants to hear from you. Feel free to shoot them an email and ask. It doesn't even have to be a negative thing. We might get some great stories about this, about teams that are like, yeah, we're making provisions so that everybody is taken care of in some way. And that would be a nice thing to have as an example for other companies going forward. That's my hope. Let's end on an if upper. You, if, if you get positive uh, information back from your season ticket holder, feel free to share it with our Twitter account. We check that. We both are on it. Um, we check that probably more frequently than email our email. Or, or do, our we, comments? do we have email? Yeah, that's a, that's a bad <laughs> question to ask. <laughs> Uh, feel free to post it on social, tag us, and we'll amplify it. Like, let's fucking hold these guys accountable. We love the game. We love this league. But we also don't need to let them shit on their employees. Don't shit on your employees, literally or figuratively. <laughs> please, please don't. Let's Best practices. Let's not shit on the employees. I guess that's the name of the episode. Dude, I got drunk. Thank you.